Before we start this episode, I'd like to just give a quick shout out to my friend Noah from the History of Vikings podcast, who has just released his first book, A Study Guide to the Poetic Edda. If you're interested in Norse mythology, you can find the link below. I highly recommend you go and check it out. In the year 881, a large force of Irishmen marched north from the Kingdom of Mead in the Midlands to ravage the lands of the northern Uiannil. The leader of the force was a distant kinsman of that illustrious family, hailing from a cadet branch known as the Southern Uiannil that had held sway in Mead for centuries, waging occasional wars against their northern brethren for control of the various underkings and chieftains that bordered their lands. He also just happened to be the latest High King of Ireland, a symbolic position of power which had rotated between kings of the southern and northern Uiannil for generations. His name was Flan Sinner, and not only did he have his own household warriors and countrymen with him during that campaign, but he also travelled with a secret weapon, an all-too-familiar sight upon the Emerald Isle of late. When Flan Sinner marched north that year, he went with hardened mercenaries, some hailing from distant lands beyond the sea, others born and raised in Ireland. He went with Vikings. Despite how shocking this alliance with the hated invaders might seem at first glance, it was actually a fairly common occurrence for the day. Unlike the later poetic accounts which made the Gaels and the Scandinavians usually referred to as foreigners, the bitterest of enemies, often going so far as to recast events as an independent struggle between natives and incomers, usually to serve the writer's own nationalistic reasons, such as Brian Baru's quest to unify Ireland into a political whole in the late 10th century. In reality, Irish kings often had no qualms about allying themselves with Vikings during the late 9th century, tending to view their own Irish rivals as far more dangerous than the Norsemen. Baru himself is said to have utilised crews of longships from the city of Limerick in order to wage war against the other Irish kings. During Flan Sinner's lifetime in the late 9th century, Vikings had already been active in Ireland for close to a century, and a permanent fixture within the maelstrom of warring factions for 40 years or more. Alliances between the newcomers and native Irish kings were not uncommon, and had happened as early as 850, when Kinaid Mac Koenig, a sub-king of the southern Uiannil, had abandoned his liege lords to ally himself to a group of Scandinavians. Together they ravaged the Midlands. This first alliance ended disastrously for Kinaid when he was captured by the southern Uiannil High King of Ireland, Maelshachnail, who had him ceremonially drowned in a loch in a grisly execution reminiscent of the old pagan ways of the island. Later, in 859, 
after the rise of a new powerful force in Dublin in the form of an incoming Norwegian king, Olaf the White, and another warlord named Ivar, possibly the same Ivar the Boneless, who ravaged England a few years later. Another rebellious king, this time Kerbal MacDunlane of Osry, previously an obscure petty kingdom subject to the southern Uyanil, rose up with the Dublin Norse to ravage the lands of Maelsechnail in several raiding missions. The alliance may have even been solidified with marriage, and by the time of his death in 888, Kerbal had become one of the most powerful kings in all of Ireland, possibly even exerting control north into the Hebrides. Though Kerbal later came to terms with his overlord and abandoned the Vikings in return for greater autonomy, shrewd as ever, Ivar and Olaf were quick to then ally themselves to male Shacknail's great rival to the north, the king of the northern Uyanil, Aid Findliath. Again, the alliance seems to have been solidified with a marriage, with Olaf apparently marrying one of Aid's daughters. Before the new allies devastated Mead in 861 and 862. Male Shacknail's young son, Flan Sinner, would have been around 10 or 11 years old during the attack of 859, meaning he came of age during this tumultuous time, perhaps even witnessing firsthand some of the atrocities alleged to have occurred, such as people being barred inside churches and burned alive. On both of the latter occasions, however, Male Shacknail was able to drive his attackers away with great bloodshed. He died in the next year, however, and to his family's horror, and as tradition dictated, Aid Findliath, the very same king who had just mercilessly ravaged their lands, was elected as the new High King. Just to add insult to injury for the young Flan Sinner, Aid not only began his reign by marrying Flan's mother, Maelshuknail's widow, Land, but he also captured his rival's successor, Lorcan, who was blinded and forced to abdicate. Leaving Flan himself with nothing. Aid Findliath's victory did have another ominous side effect too. Olaf and Ivar, ever wanting to erode away at the powers of the Irish kings and thriving from chaos, seem to have also switched their allegiances once more to support Aid's many enemies. Flan Sinner, meanwhile, though the son of one of Ireland's greatest ever kings up to this point, and the first with a real chance of unifying the whole island into a political whole, was relegated to relative obscurity within the politics of his home nation of Mead. He never forgot what had happened though, and like so many Irish kings before him, he vowed for vengeance by any means necessary. For the most part, the later 860s saw a marked reduction in Viking activity in Ireland, barring one major attack upon the ancient burial mounds at Newgrange, Nowth and Douth in 863. 
by the latter half of the decade, Olaf, active in Pictland, and Ivar in the Anglo-Saxon kingdoms, both played pivotal roles in ravaging Britain, though both were notably absent from Ireland. Aid Findliath took advantage of these absences to destroy the Viking fortresses in the north of the island. Similarly, in the south, the Munster men retook vast swathes of land, pushing the Scandinavians of the south, previously having made their bases deep in the river systems and locks of the interior, back to their long forts by the sea. Thus, leaving the Midlands and the Hinterlands mostly free from large-scale Viking settlement. Olaf seems to have left Ireland for good sometime in the 870s, or at least disappears from the record. Similarly, the Irish chronicles record Ivar's death in around 873. With their disappearance, the leadership of Dublin descended back into chaos as rival factions vied for power. Now that the great unifiers had died, no single all-powerful ruler would emerge amongst the Dublin Norse for decades to come, ushering in a period of relative inactivity, often called the 40 Years' Rest, until they finally returned in force in 914. Thus, towards the end of Findlaith's rule as High King in the 870s, rather than being the outside scourge they were often later portrayed as, Vikings had become an integral part of Irish power politics, now tending to play the role of mercenaries and sanctioned raiders working on behalf of feuding kings, rather than outright invaders. The vast majority of people alive by this point had never known a time without the ever-present threat of Viking attack. Rather than being seen as outsiders, they were now just as likely to be potential allies. Finally, in 879, Aid Findliath died, and as tradition dictated, it was now a king of the southern Uyanil's time to shine. The Great Council at the Hill of Tara, the seat of the ancient Irish kings, was called, and Flan Sinner, son of Maelshachnail and the King of Mead since 877, was elected as the new High King of Ireland. Far from even being the rightful king of the southern Uy Anil, however, let alone the High King, the Annals of Ulster report that Flan probably usurped his position from his second cousin, Doncad, the reigning King of Mead at the time, and head of the southern Uyanil. This usurpation may have actually been supported in part by Flan's stepfather, Aid, who was now also his father-in-law after Flan married Aid's daughter, Aethne. If the northern Uyanil had hoped that Flan Sinner might be a pawn in their own schemes, they were sorely mistaken. Even though he wasn't universally accepted by his own kinsmen, his reign as High King began with the customary demand for hostages from the kings of Leinster, and the various other kings often subject to the southern Uyanil. Just over a year after Aid's death, 
Flan set in motion the plan he may have had in mind since he was a boy. Along with a vast army of Irishmen, he returned the favour to the northern Uyanil by marching north along with a vast host of Vikings to lay waste to the north. Most notably, sacking the monastic complex at Armagh and making off with hundreds of slaves and a large horde of plunder. From then onwards, Flansinna's reign would be one characterised by consistent bids to unify all of Ireland under his iron grip, more often than not using Vikings to assist in his goals. Likely marrying at least one of his sisters and possibly several daughters to various Norse and Norse-Gale leaders. By the mid-880s, after securing the loyalty of Leinster and various Viking rulers, Flansinna proceeded to launch attack after attack upon the kingdoms of Munster, Ulster and Connacht. Flan's reign was more successful than most High Kings of Ireland. He may have actually had the intention of abandoning the traditional succession to the kingship of Tara, whereby the northern and southern branches of the Uyanil held the kingship alternately, entirely. In favour of a hereditary High Kingship in his family alone. The most notable pieces of evidence for this are the propagandistic monumental high crosses he erected all over the land, declaring his father and he as the high kings of all Ireland. The description of his son, male Runade, as heir designate of Ireland, rather than simply Mead, also seems to suggest this, as does the notable omissions of the traditional fair of tale to that would usually be held annually in order to foster good relations between the various kings of the Uyanil through feasting, games and marriage proposals. The non-existence of the annual fair during Flansinna's reign is a good indicator of the bad blood stewing between the various Irish clans at this time. Two other Uyanil families the Kennel Connale and the Sil Nado Slain had already been previously excluded from the High Kingship, and it seems likely that Flan now wanted to exclude the other, the Kennel Eargain, in preference for his own. The evident lack of loyalty within Flan's own family, however, may have in part prevented any such plans from being realised. In particular, a son named Doncad from his first marriage, rising up in rebellion against his father on at least two separate occasions. These tensions may have been in part as a result of Flan marrying on three separate occasions, thus creating three rival factions for power. Though he was undoubtedly attempting to forge powerful foreign allies in doing so, most notably his third wife, Mael Muir, who died in 913, was the daughter of the King of the Picts, Kenneth MacAlpine.
this does seem to have the unintended side effects of alienating some of his sons. Flan's reign wasn't entirely free from Viking attack either, with a notable defeat at the Battle of Pilgrim in 887 being recorded, along with attacks by Aid's son Domnall. Though these defeats were soon overshadowed by dissent amongst rival factions in Dublin. A civil war amongst the colonists, which would ultimately keep any Viking threat at a minimum for another three decades to come. By the 890s, events in England may have also had an impact upon the political situation in Ireland. The rise of Wessex under Alfred the Great led, according to the Annals of Ulster, to great dissension amongst the foreigners and a civil war amongst the Dublin Norse, which ultimately culminated in one of the most notable points in Flan's reign, the fall of Viking Dublin. In 902, two of Flan's sub-kings, his son-in-law, Kerbal of Leinster, and the men of Brega, led by Maelfinia, succeeded in besieging Dublin and driving the Norse out leading to a 15-year exodus for the men of Dublin, which saw widespread colonisation along the western coast of Britain, but also destroyed Scandinavian power in Ireland for decades to come. This was also a time of tragedy for Flan, however, as his son and heir, described as the heir-designate of Ireland, male Runiad, was locked in a church along with a number of other nobles and burned alive by the vengeful men of Connacht. Despite his seemingly unassailable position as the most powerful king in Ireland, a role he had held for more than two decades, the rest of Flan's reign would be characterised by wars with his own sons. And of course, the uncertainty of who would succeed him as high king. In 904, Flan is recorded as breaking into the Abbey of Kells in order to seize his rebellious son, Doncad, who had taken refuge there and subsequently beheading many of Doncad's associates. With 905 came new expeditions against Osri to ensure its continued loyalty now that it had a new king. And with 906 came attacks into Munster where much of the land was ravaged. In retaliation, the Munstermen raided Connacht and Leinster by land and by sea, and may have actually made some gains. In 908, the war with the Munstermen came to a head at the Battle of Belagmoon, wherein the King of Munster, Cormac MacCullaghan, was killed, and Flan and his allies emerged victorious. Far from slowing down his persistent campaigning in his old age, Flan continued to war against his enemies in his continued attempt to bring the rest of Ireland under his control, notably ravaging southern Brega and southern Connacht in the 910s. In December 914, however, Flan's son, Ongus, engaged the still-powerful Niall Glundub, the northern Uyanil heir to Aid Findliach, in battle. The result was inconclusive, 
but by February 915, Ongus, called Air Designate of Tara in the Annals of Ulster, effectively meaning the heir to the High Kingship, died of his wounds, thus leaving Flan without an heir once more, the second of his designated successors to die in his lifetime. By the latter half of 915, disaster struck once more when Flan's son, Doncad, once again rose up in revolt against his father, this time along with another brother, Concobar. In an especially embarrassing and humiliating moment for Flan, it was only with the aid of Niall Glundub that the brothers were brought back in line. For the next year of his reign, until his death in May 916, Flan's remaining authority quickly unravelled. As far as the other kings were concerned, now that Flan's designated heir was dead and his other sons proven to be unreliable, only one choice for the high kingship remained. Despite all of the effort Flan had put into monopolising the succession within his own family, thus coming close to instituting a national kingship in Ireland, comparable to that created by his contemporaries Alfred the Great and Edward the Elder in England. It was obvious that the High Kingship would go to the most capable man for the job, who had already been campaigning vigorously in Ulster and Connacht from 913 to 915. Niall Glundub. Yet, just as Niall preoccupied himself with harrying the North, after an absence of 40 years, Vikings had returned to Ireland in force. Specifically, two brothers, claiming to be the descendants of Ivar the Boneless, had snuck back into Waterford in around 914, and were now holed up there, plotting their next move. Yet, it wouldn't be Flan Sinner who would face them. On the 25th of May, 916, after a reign of 36 years, 6 months and 5 days, Flan Sinner finally died. He was followed as head of Clan Colmail and King of Mead by his son, Concobar, and as King of Tara by Niall Glundub. Yet, just as soon as Niall had assumed the title of High King, disaster struck. An army under Citric the Norseman launched a lightning strike across Leinster to seize Dublin, in one move refounding the most heavyweight of all Viking kingdoms in Irish history. For a time, the two Uyanil kings, Conquerbar in the south and Niall Glundub in the north, set aside their differences, rallying together for a common cause, along with a host of other kings. In 919, they marched south to war. Yet, Citric marched too, and by the end of that day, all nine Irish kings were dead. It was one of the worst disasters in medieval Irish history, leading to the Uyamare dynasty, the sons of Ivar, becoming an apex power in the Irish Sea. All those dead kings. In tragedy, however, 
there will always be those who see opportunity. And one of those was Flan Sinner's perpetually rebellious son, Doncad. He was able to seize the throne of Mead and the High Kingship, finally outplaying his father and his rivals to hold the position until 944. In reality, it wouldn't be either of the branches of the Uyanil that would succeed in establishing control over the entirety of Ireland. It would be an outsider, a ruler who would break the position of High King entirely close to a century later, a king from the southern kingdom, Munster. That ruler was Brian Baru. If you enjoyed this video and would like to see others like it, you can find many more relating to this time period over on our second channel, Voices of the Past.